This is Dr. Kate Eckert with the Form, Function, and Flow Lab podcast. I'm a chiropractor, yoga instructor, anatomy junkie, and movement educator. And I am looking forward to exposing you to all sorts of ways that you can prehab your body to avoid injury and maintain those hobbies, activities, sports that you love to do. And we'll also be focusing a lot on the pregnant and postpartum journey and making sure that you can return to those activities that you love or even keep doing them while you're pregnant. Hi, it's Dr. Kate, and today I'm going to do a podcast on Are You Breathing Correctly? And there's lots of different styles of breath techniques out there. And this isn't really talking about breath techniques specifically, but it's just through your everyday, normal, non-coached breathing patterns. Are you breathing efficiently and in a good way for your movement patterns and all that? So one thing to just kind of think about as you're going throughout your day and check in with is, are you a mouth breather? Or are you a nose breather? So ideally, we breathe in and out through our nose. It helps slow that intake of air. It acts as a natural filter. And it helps with better um, engagement of our diaphragm. And that is very important. I've talked about that in a previous podcast. If you want to listen a little bit more on all the great benefits with your vagus nerve and that kind of thing with learning how to diaphragmatically breathe. Um, So we've got, do you breathe in or out through your nose? Important to kind of catch yourself if you notice that you're a mouth breather throughout the day, just being aware of it will help you make that switch from mouth breathing to nose breathing. Now I am not by nature a mouth breather, but when I started having to wear a mask all day for 12 hours in the office at a time, I noticed that with the pressure on my nose, it made me breathe in and out through my mouth. And I could definitely see those effects um, pretty quickly. So sometimes if you have something like that, that you can't control in your day-to-day life, it's good to be aware of it so that you can catch yourself as you're doing it. So another thing to that will give you a clue as to how you might be breathing and not even know it would be taking a look at your rib flare. Now, there are two different ways that you can have flaring of your ribs. Um, one would be, I've talked about it in, I think, the DNS podcast, would be open scissors position. So that would be if your rib cage in the front is tipped up and flared out. And you can see that a lot with people that have an anterior pelvic tilt or that extra curve in their lower back, that very noticeable curve. So if that is exaggerated, we tend to come into that open scissors position. So if you think of your core as an egg, with the top of the egg dome being your diaphragm and the bottom of the egg that dome being that bowl, that pelvic floor, we want the egg to be stacked. And when we have that flaring of the front side of the rib cage, it cracks the egg and opens it up. Or if you have scissors, that would be the front. Those two floors, the diaphragm is then not parallel with the pelvic floor. And they have to talk to each other to have um, proper intra-abdominal control or good core connection and movement. So if you take a look at yourself throughout the day, maybe if 
picture of you that you someone has taken of you, or you look in the mirror from the side and see if your rib cage is stacked over your pelvic floor or if it has that tipped up position. So that would be one type of rib flare. The other type of rib flare would be if you're looking at someone from the front and you're looking at their um, angle of their rib cage, that infrasternal angle. So you've got your sternum, comes down to a point, and then the ribs come down on either sides. So that ideal angle of that, now everybody's different. So the optimal angle is 90 degrees. And, you know, there's always room for a little bit of discrepancy. But so if you took a look at your ribs in the mirror and took like a marker and drew the border of it, you measure that angle. So now what does that angle tell us? Um, If that angle is narrower than that 90 degrees, then we're looking at someone who might possibly have pelvic floor issues because they're not having that good room for pressure expansion. So if you don't have anywhere for the pressure to go as you inhale and the um, diaphragm's trying to descend, where is that pressure going to go? It's going to all be be pushed down towards your pelvic floor. Now, it, that's not a hard and fast rule, but that could be a thing that is common with that look of an infrasternal angle. Now, if it's wide, wider than 90 degrees, that might tell us that you're lean towards having some diastasis issues. So um, now that is that separating of the linea alba or that midline area. And we did do a podcast on that. So when people come in with um, diastasis issues, we work on good rib mobility, and then being able to draw the ribs back together and create uh, that tethering down of the rib cage to help draw the midline back together. Um, If you have a wide infrasternal angle and you feel as though you're really gripping onto your abs, that would be your internal obliques are tied down because of the way they're oriented. They're going to pull the rib cage down and pull wide. If it's overly narrow, that's usually telling us the gripping is happening from your external abdominal obliques because they're drawing the borders of the ribs down and creating that narrowed angle. Um, For myself personally, I struggle with having one side of my rib flared, my left side, and What that tells us, so if I were lying on my back and I looked down at my ribs, I can see that if I don't kind of key in on it, that one left side of the the rib cage is flared. So now if you think to what you do throughout the day uh, asymmetrically, then you can kind of change those patterns to help switch that rib flare. So with my left-sided rib flare, I also have my right shoulder tends to look lower because of that. Um, This is just a compensation that happens as this left side flares, this side drops to kind of create that balance because the body likes balance, even if it has to create it in an asymmetrical way. So what could 
be contributing to that one side, that asymmetry and torque in the rib cage so that it looks flared on one side and not on the other would be carrying a kid on one side all the time. Or uh, when you're driving and if you always have your right arm up and you're leaning one way habitually and that's causing one side to close down and one side to open up. And some things that you can do to just create um, a huge amount of change is by altering those patterns. So if you know you lean into carrying your kid always on the left, we're going to want to try to carry on the right and close down that right side and reopen up the left side. Um, you can do go in and see a practitioner like myself or a PT or chiropractor and get myofascial release done, work on the trigger points in through the obliques and rectus and work on which side is um, restricted. You can do skin rolling, cupping, all those sorts of things that we do in the office, but you can also do it on your own at home. You can do it in the shower. You can just build it into your routine so that it doesn't have to be something big and huge that you're doing that's going to take a little big time suck for you. Um, so you want that symmetry. So I know I have that one-sided rib flare and I will try to do some skin rolling, some cupping along that side, and then maybe hold my son on that opposite side more often to kind of balance things out. And if I were having someone come in with the open scissors position where they're having the ribs um, flip out to the front, um, I will have them do what we call kitchen sink breathing. I have a YouTube video on it. I love it because you can grab onto something and come into a deep squat and it brings the rib, front side of the rib cage down. It forces you to breathe into the back side. Um, and it really, you know, lots of times when people are just doing their breath work, either seated or in supine 90-90, they really can't narrow down into breathing into their back or breathing into the tight spaces. So when you do kitchen sink breathing and you're forcing the rib cage down in the front, you have nowhere else to go. So you're forced into breathing into the low back. So another way you could do it instead of holding on to something and coming into that low squat is just simply coming into a low squat. You can hug the knees in the front and round. And you can even have someone take a picture of you from the side and look at the curve of your whole back. So from the nape of the neck down to the tailbone, where do you have the most curvature or where is it nice and smooth and where does it flatten out? Where it flattens out is where you want to think of directing the breath into as you do your breathing exercises. So for a lot of people, they have they might have some excess rounding in the upper back and they want to maybe direct, it'll flatten out right as the thoracic spine meets the lumbar spine. And you want to think of directing that breath into that flattened area where it feels stiff and restricted. And with a you know, with the simple squat where you're holding on, you're kind of getting opening on both sides. If you're doing the kitchen sink breathing and you're holding up onto something and leaning away and you have 
like myself, I have that left-sided rib flare. So I want to tuck more the left flared rib down and think of expanding my right side low back. So if I'm holding on to, usually I use stall bars, but you can use your kitchen sink. I would lean more so that it's opening up that right side. And I want to think of expanding that closing down the flared side. So you can really tailor those breath exercises to you and to what you specifically have going on. And I really highly recommend having someone else look at you and take pictures and show you because it's eye-opening to see that you might not look like what you think you look like. Another thing that you can do besides the deep squat or the kitchen sink breathing, especially if you have knee issues and you can't get into that fully knee bent position, would be just lying over a giant exercise ball and letting the pressure of the ball keep the ribs and belly from expanding and then expanding into the low back. This is also a good one, not just for um, rib flare, or the ribs, the anterior pelvic. This is great for anterior pelvic tilt. It's great for rib flare and it is great for people with diastasis because we tend to, with a diastasis, we have this weak spot in the front. So increasing your intra-abdominal pressure, pressure and air and all those things, they like to take the path of least resistance. And unfortunately, the path of least resistance is that hole in your abdomen. So we want to keep pressure there and work on expanding and tapping into using the other areas to accept pressure. So it takes the pressure off of that diastasis so that we can heal it. Now, this is not just for people that just had a baby or anything like that. Men have diastasis and it usually shows up in, um, low back pain, SI joint pain, those kind of things. So this is great for them too. It's great for people that have um, hernia issues and that kind of thing. Anytime you have a herniation or a diastasis or those kind of things, it's a pressure problem. And that means we really need to come into addressing how we breathe because that dysfunction in breathing is going to give us pressure issues that end up uh, looking like herniations, hernias, diastasis. Um, so another thing I wanted to talk about is two other types of breathing that you might see in yourself or someone else that can be problematic. So we talk about diaphragmatic breathing, and I think sometimes people get diaphragmatic breathing mixed up with belly breathing and for some people, if they lean towards really holding their belly tight because they're constantly sucking in and um, for, you know, physical reasons, uh, like they just don't want to uh, let their belly go because of how they look in clothes or whatever, that can be a problem. And sometimes belly breathing helps with that because they're having a lot of issue releasing the belly and letting that relax. And that can give us issues. But for a lot of people doing belly breathing, 
forces the pressure down and out to the front. So if you have a diastasis and you tell people to breathe into their belly and like lie on their back with their hand on their chest and their hand on their belly and inhale big so that their lower hand on their belly is moving, that's going to be way too much pressure out into the front where you have that weak spot at. And it's not encouraging good rib movement. And rib movement is important with getting the diaphragm engaged, with having good mobility of your shoulders, good mobility of your upper back, neck, all those things. So we do not want to think of just our belly moving. You want to kind of just think of it as that's going to happen eventually at the end of the exhale, but it's not something we want to focus on. So a lot of times when people are lying on their back with their knees bent, feet flat, or in that supine 90-90 position, I'll have them put their hands um, at their rib cage or flip it so that their fingers are at the back side of the rib cage. And I want them to in, inhale and feel the rib cage expand to the sides and back. So opening up 360 without letting the front side of the upper sternum lift. Um, And instead of just thinking of the, because the sternum will lift, because again, we want that 360 degree all the way around expansion. What we don't want to happen is the upper traps and neck to be pulling at the top of the rib cage to let that inhale expand. that's what we want to avoid for that. So we don't want all belly breathing, but we also, most people um, who are stressed have chronic desk jobs. Those kind of things are going to be short and shallow breathers. And they're using the accessory muscles in their neck to draw up the rib cage. They take these short breaths. It changes your whole chemistry and it changes um, where we're at in parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. So, uh, that paradoxical breathing is going to leave us with a tight and irritated neck, headaches, um, poor shoulder movement, and it's, um, not allowing the rib cage to move fully in and out. And we really need that to use our core well, strengthen and lengthen our pelvic floor, get our hip flexors. Cause remember I've said this in other podcasts, the diaphragm is that dome, but psoas, which is a deep hip flexor runs under the backside of diaphragm down to the legs. So we have that core connection between lower body and diaphragm too. So there's so much around it with trying to really get that nice symmetrical 360 degree expansion of the rib cage and trying to get away from that short, shallow breath of, of stressed out land or chronic desk land that we're doing. And we want to be careful with how we cue things uh, like in yoga classes and workout classes that we're not cueing belly breathing because it's easier to cue, breathe into your belly. We don't really want that. We want to breathe 360 degrees evenly into our rib cage. Belly just is a side effect after that. We don't want that pooching out of the belly because that leads to other problems. So what I want you to 
gather from this episode of the podcast is that we can take all these little bits and pieces. We want to look at exactly what our body is doing, you know, whether it be a posterior tilt or an anterior tilt of the pelvis, what that looks like and how we can kind of tweak these different breath techniques to work with what we're having specifically. Cause really that's going to be, you know, big and making a difference. And even if it's something little like changing how you, which hip you carry your kid on um, to kind of even things out. Those are nice little things to do that aren't going to be a huge time commitment from everyone who is always so busy with life. So if you have any questions, let me know. I'd be happy to talk more on breathing because we do it with almost everyone in the office. I look forward to working with you guys. And if you have any topics that you'd like discussed, make sure to comment below and let me know because I'd be happy to share all the knowledge that I have on those issues.